In today's episode, I'm looking to bring awareness to suicide and mental health issues within law enforcement. Joining me is Inspector Steve Huff, one of the co-founders of Blue Help, a nonprofit organization committed to acknowledging the service and sacrifice of law enforcement officers who have been lost to suicide and supporting their families. Blue Help also works to destigmatize mental health and connects officers to wellness programs. Blue Help has designated September 26th as National Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day. So I wanted to do my part in helping drive that awareness. Steve, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I know you have 25 years in law enforcement. Tell me what your current role is. I am an inspector with Walton County Sheriff's Office. I currently do polygraphs, uh, do backgrounds, and some analytical work for the sheriff's office. And are you doing polygraphs and backgrounds on uh, applicants? Applicants and and criminal uh, polygraphs as well. Coming up on retirement here in just about 10 months. Okay, and for anyone who doesn't know, the Walton County Sheriff's Office is in Florida. I'm not familiar with the rank of inspector. What? So inspector here is a lieutenant with specialized duties. Uh, what was your beginning in law enforcement? How did you get uh, into it? And what was your first department? So I worked at Okaloosa County for 19 years. Okay, uh, Okaloosa County, also in Florida. Yes. The purpose of our conversation today is to talk about National Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day, something Blue Help launched last year. Let's start by having you tell me about Blue Help. Blue Help is our nonprofit organization. It was originally founded by uh, three individuals, myself, Dr. Jeff McGill, and Karen Solomon. It came by happenstance more than anything else. I was involved in a shooting. Uh, The shooting wound up taking me out of work for a year. I was shot in the face and twice in the leg. Jeff, uh, Dr. McGill was my partner at the time, and we quickly found out about what happens to the body and the mind after a critical incident. And with that, we discovered more so for ourselves than, than other individuals, but we were like, hey, look, this is, this is not being handled correctly. And the more we dug into it, the more we found out that that is the norm throughout uh, the first responder community. From there, that's where the idea came up for Blue Help. We decided that what we were going to do is we were going to start tracking and keeping an eye on what has been missed in law enforcement, which is suicide awareness, suicide prevention. And then we actually started a database that had uh, a reporting capability to uh, report those suicides to us. And for the last five years, that's what we've been doing. A couple of things. You mentioned your shooting and the toll it took on you. I would like to understand what you experienced. I just did an interview with a documentarian, Patrick Shaver, who did a documentary on, you know, so you've seen the film. I have seen the film. Very interesting. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Very, very. We're talking about the film Officer Involved by Patrick Shaver, which looks at deadly force encounters from the point of view of the officer, the impact on the officer. I haven't talked about what it's like to be an officer who's been shot and the trauma. Gotcha. So before we get to all the good work of Blue Help, tell me what that was like 
I have to believe that getting shot in the face has to be a unique trauma. So, yes, unique in the sense that there's not a lot you could do medically for it, especially on scenes. The jaw was shattered. The uh, nerve endings were all cut. Part of the skull is gone right in here, so there's some titanium stuff in there. And, and what makes it even more so than that is after my shooting, I've kind of talked with other officers. Some of them have had like a very hard time standing in front of a mirror. So let's say if they got shot in the chest or got shot in the stomach, you know, and they're like, I just can't look at it. And this is the psyche. This is the mind just doing what it does. And people are like, how do you do it? I was like, well, I got to shave every day. I've got no choice, right? I, I, I literally have to look in the mirror. Well, as far as physical scars, I wouldn't know it to look at you. The plastic surgeon, the ENT plastic surgeon I had, was phenomenal. There's, you know, a couple little things, but uh, if you look close, you'll see it. But if if you don't know, you wouldn't see it. I mean, if I could do it all over again, obviously I wouldn't get shot. But at the same time, the good that has come out of it has just been phenomenal. It has led to a really good thing. There's no doubt it was a life-altering experience. But through that, I became a, a stronger individual, both physically and mentally. And everybody who has felt or had the feelings of what it's like to go through an incident like that. Uh, you know, the isolation, the anger, all of these different things that are going on. Being able to work through those, being able to come out on the other side with family still intact, friends still intact, everybody doing well, is, is just, a, just a testament to the human spirit and what it can accomplish when it has what it needs to, to thrive. It was a difficult probably two years. The first six months were probably the hardest. And then after that, putting my mind back in a good place, in a right place, uh, that took a little bit more time. Again, that's after coming through that. When I talk to other officers, when I talk to other, other first responders that are saying, look, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. This is what I'm doing. And I, mean, I can truly go to them and go, yes, I know. I understand what you're going through. You could see it in their faces that, you know, they, they're afraid to say anything because of that stigma. And they're afraid to say anything because they're afraid to lose their jobs when they understand that, look, this is what happened. So then we come together a little bit better. And that assistance, it's, it's pretty incredible to see the change happen right in front yeah. of you. You go out there, you hit the streets, you know this could happen to you, and then it happens to you. But again, building that resilient or that inoculation to it, you know, I don't even think about it anymore. It's, it's just second half to me at this point. All of which brings us to Blue Help. It seems that the mission is multi-layered. It's reducing the stigma through awareness for officers so they will get help, and also trying to bring some dignity and honor to those who have committed suicide. Absolutely. And as we say, the officers themselves, they are the ones who are missed, but even more so, as we found out, the families, the children and the, the spouses or significant others, they're often left behind. Agencies very rarely give any type of benefit to an officer who may have taken his own life. We're trying to take that awareness to a never, another level, which is provide that training to say, hey, look, 
as a supervisor, this is what you need to understand. As a officer, this is what you need to understand. And as a family, prepare yourself because this is what you need to understand. So as we continue to grow, the different things that we want to accomplish are right there in front of everybody. It all started with that suicide awareness and erasing that stigma from somebody who has committed suicide. Uh, or even has those concerns of any kind of mental health issues, whether it be from a critical incident or exposure over years and years of job history that, you know, they just can't handle those, those calls anymore or see those certain things anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. That's an absolutely normal reaction. A, there's somewhere where you can go to talk. And B, this is something that happens normally or naturally. And to be able to circumvent the occupational stress injury side of it by giving them the tools to help themselves and help others that just makes for a better officer makes for a better husband or a better wife uh, or a better father or mother so we're chomping at the bit to get out there and do what we can to help these folks out let me ask a couple of other questions i want to establish whether or not this is true is suicide the number one killer of law enforcement? That is a, uh, especially with COVID going on right now, that's a complex answer. Only because, my gosh, we've lost so many officers who've had COVID complications to COVID. The numbers of officers lost has really just gone through the roof. Before COVID, the reporting was definitely showing that hey, we're losing more people by their own hand than we are through work-related occupational stressors. Those those numbers were are pretty much defined at this point uh, prior to COVID. So I would say that's the number one killer. Well, we know for a fact every officer that loses their life while they're in the line of duty is reported to various websites. We don't get all those reports. We don't get, unless a family member comes forward or a friend comes forward or an agency actually steps forward to, to pass on this information, it goes without knowledge. Nobody would know that certain officers took their own lives due to stressors at work. If it wasn't for those people reporting it, we'd never know about it. So many of them go unreported. If I understand correctly, suicide is not considered a line of duty death and does not get the things that come with line of duty death. That is correct. And those things include pension, Pension, burial, uh, burial expenses. Normally when we see an officer who's lost in the line of duty, the agency at least will assist with taking care of the family, sending maybe chaplains over or maybe friends of the officer over to check on the family. And a lot of times, I'm not going to say every time because we've had some really good responses where an officer took his life and the agency responded appropriately. And they treated them as if they were who they were, which was somebody protecting the community. But for the most part, they are forgotten. Some of the things that, that get reported to us are, are very tragic. Tell me what you mean. These families are left behind. They are totally left to do on their own. Some families have been very fortunate and have had good support systems through the law enforcement agencies, through officers, through other community involvement. But by and large, it seems like most of them are just pushed to that side because of the stigma. They're forgotten quickly. 
and then we're there to kind of fill that void. Now, uh, to be clear on this, we don't necessarily solicit. When we hear about an officer taking his own life, we'll send some care packages to the family and go, hey, if you need us, we're here. And it's important for us to, and that's one of the big things that we advocate for, is, is the family needs time. The, they need time to find their way back. They need time to, to process what is going on and how best to, to move forward with it. So all in all, if this is the place for you, if, if you want to come be part of that Blue Health family, by all means, let's do it. So uh, we want to make sure those folks are, are well represented. They're able to come together and discuss those things. If they need help, hey, I might need a little help with taking care of doctor's bills because I can't tell you how many times that we've, we've heard literally the day after those benefits stop. So family members lose insurance. They lose dental coverage. They lose vision coverage. They lose all of that. I mean, it's like a drop of a hat and they cut them off. Others have had better luck, but for the majority of them, that's a hard thing to wrap around after such a significant loss is dealing with all the after effects of that. That seems so wrong. It, 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 it is, uh, it, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, for a guy that was a, uh, pretty much just like to kick doors and, and do a whole bunch of stuff to come into a nonprofit organization and see this, I don't want to call it a darker side, but the the actual truth of what goes on when we see our officers dying by suicide, it's it's eye-opening. It's, it's just unbelievable. Well, I was just reading the blog posts on your Blue Help website. Heartbreaking. Yes. The one widow saying, and it's not just men, we should clarify, not just male officers who commit suicide. But right. I know white men tend to commit suicide more in general. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, the one widow was saying, my husband's name will not be read during National Police Week during the candlelight vigil. And what she's referring to is the candlelight vigil during which the names of officers killed in the line of duty over the past year are read. I believe they do not they are not included on the Officer Down Memorial page. That's correct. And the Officer Down Memorial page is the website where line of duty deaths are officially recorded. I want to mention the other widow whose husband committed suicide, she writes that his department did nothing but stand and watch me on my hands and knees screaming for them to help me after I had found him. How many of his colleagues glared at me as I stood by my late husband's casket. The chief who wouldn't wear his uniform to the funeral. I want to tell you that since the night he died, not a single officer has come over on their own to check on me. Our grief is compounded because we not only lost our husbands, part of ourselves, but most of us are losing our family in blue all on the same day. You know, it just makes me want to cry. I know that this isn't the case for everyone. We do want to be clear on that, but this is a very real experience. And unfortunately, it sounds all too frequent. Yes, and unfortunately, we hear about those very instances where the administration literally turns their back on an officer due to their personal beliefs. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that chiefs or administrators or even line level supervision people 
outwardly saying, you know, that's a coward's way out. We received information the other day that there was an officer that committed suicide and there was an email that said, hey, look, you're not wearing mourning badges. You're not putting the mourning strip over your badge. Aggravating? Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, this is part of, of getting beyond that that stigma. Unfortunately, we see that problem a lot. They just, they won't recognize those officers. I find that shocking. It's, it's extremely shocking. So if you die from an illness like COVID or cancer, do you get all of the, the pension, the memorial service, the officer down memorial? And there's a couple of different factors that play into that. I mean, obviously we have seen officers who were lost to like you said, cancer or other illnesses along those lines. And we've seen them represented on those websites. So uh, I can't say that's an every time occurrence. Obviously, we don't track that. We don't run that. But yeah, I've seen it. It is very interesting, I guess, would be a word to put with it. Only because uh, just like there's legislation now coming out about taking care of officers who have post-traumatic stress. For years now, we've had legislation in place that says, hey, if an officer has a heart attack while he's on duty, it's covered mm. under workers' comp, regardless if there's a, there's a, uh, a precondition or uh, a lung bill that covers the lungs, even if there's a precondition. We sat back ourselves and we're like, look, we're taking care of hearts and lungs and everything, but not the mind. Why not the mind? It's starting to make its way. We're seeing some progress in that fight to get some legislation to say, hey, look, yeah, we need to take care of our officers, especially if they have those uh, stress injuries and wind up with post-traumatic stress. It's a good thing to see, but we still got a long way to go with right. that. It's a department-by-department department decision. This isn't a... Yes. So it, it typically lies with the department of how they're going to respond to that. So there's nothing blanketed across state by state that says, hey, you will do X, Y, and Z. It's up to that figurehead. It's up to that chief, that sheriff, city commissioners, county commissioners, those kind of whoever is in charge of that entity. It is, it's up to them to decide whether or not they're going to honor someone. Unfortunately, we still see a lot that do not. Right. A lot of folks don't know that officers may go in and, and ask for help. And then the next thing you know, the, the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen does is those officers are put, lack of a better term, they're put in a corner. They, uh, they're like, hey, we need to, you know, the administrations are not familiar with what to do with them. Uh, we've always said after, after my shooting, we were like, hey, look, law enforcement agencies are excellent at burying officers. They're excellent. They honor them well. The procession, everything is glorious. But when you live and you have to deal with the aftermath, they're not that good at it. They're not that good at it. And they, uh, a lot of times we just see it get pushed to the side like, hey, if we don't see it, we don't hear it, we don't have to worry about it. And is it a stigma around suicide in general or is it really something different within law enforcement? No, I would say that stigma, again, is probably, it's equal across the board, either whether or not you're having, you need a little bit of help and you reach out for some services or you let your supervisors know, hey, I need to, I need to speak with someone. The stigma starts well before the suicide. So that's, that's the big thing. The stigma comes and does nothing more than compounds the issue. 
when we try to get these officers help or when we try and say, hey, look, you need to come talk, come talk to us. And then they've got maybe somebody else that comes up to them and goes, hey, look, be careful if you talk to them, you know, they're, they're going to take your gun away. There is a stigma behind suicide, don't get me wrong, but the, it really starts from when that officer says, hey, I need some help. Last year, Blue Help created National Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day, September 26th. There's a lot of good information on your website, phone numbers, links to services for those in need, and there are a number of great suggestions on how to observe this day. What would you suggest people do? So this is what I'll tell you, this is what I, I tell every time, every time I go on and I talk to somebody that says, man, what should we do as a, as a community, as an individual, what can we do to help? The easiest thing you could ever do is just go up to a first responder. Thank you guys for what you do. Thank you, ma'am, for what you do. Sometimes it just makes it more of a difference than people understand. That is needed more now than it ever has been. You know, our law enforcement officers, for example, they're watched more than they've ever been. They're recorded more than they've ever been. They get more negative press than they ever have. It's not like we can go home, strip off our Superman suit, put on our, our, our Clark Kent clothes, right? Just get in our regular duds and you can't sit down and relax and get on Facebook or Twitter or anything without seeing negativity towards law enforcement. And it weighs. I mean, you can only, I mean, those are little punches, right, that come from social media. Those are little jabs, little punches that come in. But pretty soon, after a year, five years of seeing little jabs like that, it wears you down. Because you see it at work, you try and put that separation in there when you get home. It's constant. So just go tell them that you appreciate what they're doing. And, and that'll do more for them than anything right. else. And I do try to do that <laughs> uh, in this entire podcast really is my attempt to do that. I feel like the stories of law enforcement don't get told the real stories and this sort of buildup of negativity, the negative narrative that we've experienced, I would say over the past 10 years, but certainly within the past year has been over the top. Do you think that this environment that has had an impact on suicide right this year so this is what i'll tell you looking at the numbers strictly looking at the data that's been reported we have not had individuals report more suicides okay. as a matter of fact this year the reporting has kind of decreased a little bit not too much but from where we've been in other years we've noticed the numbers are down so it's one of those things that do we think that suicides are decreasing possibly but is it that people are just not reporting pretty good chance of that also along the lines of riots and protests the capitol hill riots and the subsequent four suicides of capitol hill officers what was your reaction uh, to that incredible Never in my 25 years have I ever seen or knew I, do I recall so many officers taking their own lives after such an incident like that, that individuals have said, other people have said that, uh, you know, we'll never know if this was the reason that they committed suicide. 
And to a certain extent, yes, but dealing with such a critical incident as such as those riots or whatever, whatever term you want to put to them, to deal with that on a boots on the ground level, there's no way that you could absolutely deny that this was not a triggering event that led to these officers doing what they did, committing suicide. As a administration, and not I'm not talking, I'm not trying to get political, but as an administrator, I should say, of a police department, if that were to happen, I would really have to look long and hard at how could we miss this? How did we not see something going on here? Because that's, that is a, a large number of officers in a short amount of time. It is mind-blowing to think that this was undetected or and, and it may have very well been it, this is one of those things you just have to sit back and you have to go okay what could have been done to stop this it's it's just really unbelievable there's no doubt in my mind there's plenty of officers that probably are saying i don't know what i would have done i would be saying i don't know what i would have done and coming out on the other side of that after after the dust settles the rioters are gone everybody everything's quiet there is no doubt that dependent on what their prior experiences are could definitely lead to how they reacted after. There's so many different layers and levels to being a law enforcement officer because the fact is you're wearing a badge and you're wearing a gun. The opportunity for a critical incident or that cumulative stress is very alive and could very well take over. And does Blue help help connect officers with yes. services, or you, yep. So you we've got certain sponsors that provide services. If you go to firsthelp.org, and you can actually go to our reporting website and report. Say, hey, I need some help. I live over here. Information is provided. Say, hey, look, you've got caregivers in your area. And again, this is one of those things that we're stepping up to now. We've just uh, launched our white help and gold help for EMS, paramedics, and communications officers. And we're moving more to the, we recognize the suicides and we honor those who, who have committed suicide. However, now what we want to do is bring that awareness level up. We want to be able to come forward and go, okay, look, we don't want you on our honor wall. This is how we're going to help you out. And you mentioned the honor wall. I do want to talk about that on your website. It really is a little it chilling. Is. It is. It is chilling to look at all those pictures without question and just scroll through and see and scroll and scroll. But it's important that we give credit to the family members and those individuals that are stepping up and going, hey, look. We don't want anybody else to go through this. We don't want this for another family. Put my wife, put my husband, put my son, put my daughter up there, please. And tell these people we can help you. And like I said, we don't want you on our wall. Even though it's it's sad to look at that wall, you have to look beyond that wall and see that courage from that family coming forward and going, hey, no. yes, he did. Or yes, she did. They took their own life. But... Yeah. This is what we want to come out of that. 
Well, what's also sad is that's the only place they're recognized. The only place. There's some other little websites, but this one is the one that obviously everybody has become accustomed to seeing. This is it. This is all they get. But we are making headway. We've got legislation. We've right. got agencies now stepping on board. A lot of agencies are stepping up and actually putting together peer support groups. They're putting together off-site counseling centers. They're doing these things because that tide is turning. Officer wellness seems to be more of a priority. Yes, absolutely it is. And then you did mention legislation. Is there some kind of national legislation? Uh, not national at this point, but there there is state okay. legislation that has gone through in, in a couple of different states. Several states have already started to either bring that legislation forward or are actually signing it in that says, hey, look, you know, we need to take care of our first responders. Just because it's got to do with the mind doesn't mean we need to exclude it. We're starting to see that, that proactive approach. The NYPD, what they have started doing is they have started taking some of their canine that either retire or they they get their canine from a company that trains them to be comfort dogs. They'll go to different beats and different districts and make contact with the officers and you know let the officers pet the dog and you would be surprised at what that animal therapy can do for people. When you start hearing about these things it's really interesting to see the the different ways the innovative ways some of these departments are taking that proactive approach and that's one of the things that yeah. that we need especially since our jobs specifically our jobs as first responders are primarily reactive right so we very rarely ever get there before the crime is committed or before the fire starts or before somebody needs help blue help is a nonprofit that is correct. So how are you funded and how can people donate? There, there's a number of ways. Number one, we have fundraisers all the time. We have walks. We do different benefits. Of course, on our website, there's our donate page where you can go to donate and you can see the events popping up. Some of our funding has come in from our sponsors like AT&T FirstNet, Motorola sponsors us. We're working with Axon for their Family First project where they're putting out videos for mental health awareness. We just did a talk with Axon the other day. You know, we were sitting there talking to these folks, and I was like, I bet you guys think you just sell cameras and you sell, you know, this and that. I said, a lot of them, they were like, yeah, that's exactly what we do. I said, no, let me tell you what you really do. I said, you give officers peace of mind. You save officers' lives. You keep officers from financial ruin. And when, when we see these big things hit the media... And we know how the media does. They like to chop it up and just sew that two seconds. And then when you put out your video, when we pull your video off your camera and go, oh, look, the guy had a gun. Oh, look, the guy had a knife, whatever the case may be. All these sponsorships that are coming together, yeah, they give us money. But at the same time, they do a lot more for law enforcement than sometimes I think their people realize. So that's pretty cool, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, you know, and Axon, I know they're, they're very law enforcement supportive or also supportive of the community. Yes. I can probably guess, but what are the rewards for you? So it's really been an eye-opening experience. It's been very interesting to, to me going through with what I went through and then seeing these other individuals who were coming through it and coming out on that other side. It's very nice to see that, you know, you're thinking you talk to these folks daily and you're like, okay, you're going to be good. You're going to be okay. And that's probably the biggest thing. People are resilient anyways, but when when you see that happening, that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm.
I'm glad to help bring awareness to this important topic. It's been an eye-opening and moving conversation. Steve, thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. In honor of National Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day, I would say if you have a moment, go to bluehelp.org. Take a look at the entire website, the stories that are on there, the services they offer, the events that they have, but also take a look at the honor wall. Take a look at the photos. Of course, a lot of them are anonymous silhouettes with just the date of death to protect the identity of the officer due to the stigma. But behind that silhouette is a person and a family. I thank those officers for their service and I honor those families for their loss, their sacrifice, and their bravery. In our conversation, Steve is equally focused on the path forward and getting officers the help they need as well as destigmatizing the need. I want to end with the hope that we can, as Steve said, begin to eliminate the need for the honor wall altogether. Thank you for listening.